Coma time. How many of you ate too much? Like on the dessert, that round table at the end, you went back and now all of a sudden you're realizing, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have gone the third time. Amen. I went and got a double dose, like all good husbands do. And I told my wife when I sat down, I said, you know what? You don't have to get up for the dessert table. I got yours and mine. After a while, she nudged me and said, wasn't mine on that plate? I said, I think so. I don't know where it went. But I'll go get you some more. And to make up for it, I got a bigger portion the second time. And after a while, I noticed something was jabbing my hand as it was moving across, dipping into that dessert. And I I think that was her fork. I'm not sure. We're going to preach on that, though. Take your Bible to fork chapter (laughs) 3. And I realized, you know what, I, uh, I had every intention of not eating my dessert and her dessert and then her secondary f- dessert that I got, and I think I did it all. I think I ate it all. So if, if I fall sideways this way, can you guys rush up here and lift me back up? I'll, I'll, I'll turn the geriatric There, Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Come no matter what. You might as well just sit up here. You want to just sit up here? And just, we'll just plan for disaster. <laughs> Let's take our Bible to Galatians chapter 6, if you would. Galatians chapter 6. We could do like calisthenics. Would that help? No. 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 Just just let the spirit go, huh? (laughs) Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. And this is an unusual family... um, an area you'd go for family, but I think it really fits in with what families go through. And it is found in the very first phrase, if a man be overtaken in a fault. That does happen even in families. So as we go through this, though this I believe is a church positional teaching in Galatians 6, I want you to think of it and perhaps consider what this would look like in your home. In these, in these areas as we go through it. So let's, let's ponder this in a home scenario. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's really the theme of, of the message, is fulfilling the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, verse 3, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that we can draw from it truths and guidance that we need in a regular, real-time way. 
And Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes like the song we just sing, sang. Uh, I pray that we would see what you have for us in this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Fulfilling the law. Many people, when you consider fulfilling the law, they would look at, like, what is the minimum? Like, how do I fulfill the law of Christ? Is it, like, 10%? Then, then I'll fulfill the law with uh, 10%. If it's turn the other cheek, like, what's that mean? Uh, just, just the one cheek? You know, how do I fulfill the bare minimum of the law? And what's unique about this passage is it is fulfilling the law of Christ, verse 2 says, but the entirety of the passage is not the bare minimum. It's like going way overboard. It's like you are the right one and someone else is the at-fault one and it's yours to wear. You're going to bear or carry that burden. And, and so when we consider this thing of fulfilling the law of Christ, we realize it, it's not going to be our natural a go-to mechanism that says, all right, what's the bare minimum? How do I check the box? How do I fulfill the task? But it's more about how much do I care about this person? And verse 1 kind of opens that up. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. And at some level, that comes down to, certainly in a home, it comes down to, you know, how much do you care? How much does this person mean to you? It is so easy to see someone overtaken in a fault and sit there and say, <laughs> I knew, I, I knew that was going to happen. I mean, I, I could have told you that was going to happen and maybe even document it, you know, like go back in your mind and think, yeah, the first time I saw this begin to show itself was, that was about four years ago. And then, and then remember that thing they said here, that was another level. And, and next thing you know, we're, we're showing the opposite. We're judging or critiquing rather than fulfilling the law of Christ. So I think it really comes down to how much do we love one another? Amen. And this passage illustrates that. I think it's helpful in a home because there is never a home that is going to be built on sinful creatures like you and I that is not going to have at some point a need for someone helping the other person out. It's going to be natural to find the fault, but it's going to be unnatural or maybe spiritual to find the solution. And that's what bearing burdens is all about. The word or the phrase in verse 1, sorry, verse 2, bear ye one another's burdens, that, that phrase it indicates I'm going to take upon my shoulders the weight that is supposed to be on your shoulders. I mean, you see this normally in husbands and wife when, uh, you know, it's the wife's responsibility, perhaps uh, after a given meal, she's supposed to do the dishes. And the husband realizes, you know, her, her wrist is in a cast that can't get wet. So the husband says, I'm going to engage in bearing that burden. I'm going to wash dishes for her, right? Like a good husband. And the concept there is, it's taking upon yourself what is actually someone else's to carry. In the duties that are outlined in the Bible, it's easy to kind of see, hey, husband, this is your role. Wife, this is your role. Children, this is your role. Parents, this is your role. Uh, you know, we're, it's easy to differentiate that and find faults, but it's a whole different spirit to find help 
and say, you know what, I, I want to bear you one another's burdens. Burdens are not sins. We do not bear one another's sins. You can't carry someone else's sin nature. Only Christ can bear our burdens. He bore them to the cross. He carried them away. We don't, we don't have that ability, but we can carry the weight that is for us to carry. Verse 5 says, for every man shall bear his own burden. So there is a weight I got to carry. But listen, there's sometimes I just, I get whooped. Amen. And I can't carry. And there are needs when Ecclesiastes gives pretty good instruction on this. When one is weak, the other is there to strengthen. When one is cold, the other is there to warm them up. And there is a need for teamwork, for synergy, right? For multiple minds together to say, hey, we're, just because one is burdened or they've been overtaken in a fault, we don't just kind of simply wash our hands of them. Amen? Why? Because we actually care. Family really illustrates this because family is one of those things where if we found, if we sat, like my wife and I, we had five children, and if we took a given year out of our life and said, all right, next one of you to mess up, you're out of here. We're going to kick you out on the street, send you to Alaska. <laughs> you know, if, if we treated life like that, within one year, we wouldn't have, like, we'd all be gone. We'd all be on the street, there'd be an empty house, and they'd have a foreclosure sign on it, because no one would live there. So in our family, we realized, you know, it's not just about being right. It's about helping them. Amen? And this passage, I think, really helps us realize that there's times when brethren are overtaken in a fault. I believe Galatians 6 is dealing with a doctrinal fault. I believe it's pretty uh, clear in the passage of Galatia. Uh, the, the, the passage of doctrine that was flowing through that area at that time. But I think it also illustrates that that is going to happen. People will be overtaken in a fault. And what is our response to that? And I've got several little things, just one word thoughts for you to consider uh, this afternoon as you ponder this, specifically in a home. Number one is the word inspection. Inspection. In verse 1 it says, considering thyself. The, the one who bears the other burden, the other's burden, they become very vulnerable. Because now not only are you carrying your weight, but you're carrying their weight. It's like caregivers. They say caregivers usually end up being uh, pretty worn out, and they usually need some respite uh, just because they get completely worn out. So in the spiritual world, you get a, a spouse or a family, or you, you can apply this in many different ways, but for us, um, definitely in a family scenario, you're carrying what's your responsibility, and now you're carrying someone else's because they're overtaken, they're not here, they're, they're, they're struggling with their own things, and the, the idea says, consider thyself. The word consider is a word for, take a good look at you. Amen. Look, look at yourself. Considering thyself, take a good look and pay attention to what's going on. Amen. If you've ever carried a burden that is maxing you out, and then someone else asks you to add their pack on top of your shoulders, you realize, you know what, I better be really careful here, because I'm maxed out, and this old body, you throw another five or ten pounds on, we may just collapse it may not be able to manage this. 
Bible says in verse 1, consider thyself lest. The word lest indicates you could have a problem here. Amen. You could have a bearing one that becomes in need themselves. This happens so often in, in family scenarios. One, you got a husband and wife, let's just say, and you get a, a, a spouse that's struggling spiritually. Uh, and by the way, we all struggle spiritually, so it's not like an anomaly when this happens. We go through different things, and perhaps one is, is just in a scenario where they need help. The other spouse steps in, and they're spiritually caring more and, and caring all. And I'm telling you what, I've seen times where that goes on for a while, and Next thing you know, you find out both spouses are in trouble spiritually because the lust happened. Something kicked in gear here where God said, bear others' burdens, uh, or sorry, verse, verse 1, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The rescuer all of a sudden needs rescued. I mean, I, I don't think you've... I've not seen this in your life, but it's one of the saddest things I've ever run across in a first responder world of, of things that go on is when a person attempting to rescue someone else loses their life because they didn't consider themselves. They didn't look at all the scenario. What, what's this going to require? Now all of a sudden we have two casualties rather than just one. And sometimes that can add to more. Next thing you know, you've got a whole host of problems. Great danger exists when one presumes, I can help you. I think this happens in families where a spouse says, you know what, I can help you. Wives, we, we find wives sometimes do this with great, um, great preaching skills, otherwise known as nagging. Um, but they, you know, they, they have the ability to say, I, I need to help you because you're struggling in your spiritual growth. And wives seem to know this about a husband and so all of a sudden in the middle of sermon an elbow jabs in the husband's side and it's like yeah there's a there's a good one for you to know amen amen and so now all of a sudden you've got a a, a scenario where the wife perhaps or a parent perhaps or a spouse perhaps thinks i'm going to help you and let me just tell you real quick we are not the helpers we are the bearers of burdens we are not the helpers. There is one who can help. The rest of us can do a good job hindering. Amen. I don't know a lot about hospital care. I know we have some um, qualified personnel here, so if I say something that sounds awkward, just realize I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'm really thankful when I go to a hospital setting and I know someone's dealing with something really significant and the hospital is honest, saying, look, we can't fix that. But I tell you what, we can take care of your food. We can take care of your oxygen. We can take care of your rest. We can take care of all the scenarios so your body can go in and really attack what needs to be fixed. And I'm like, hey, that, that's actually really helpful. And that's what's going on here. It says, lest, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I believe a great danger exists when one presumes that they are the helper rather than the bearer of burdens, thus allowing God to be the help and the healing that He needs to be. And with all that said, not only can the overtaken be guilty of thinking too highly of himself, isn't that what it says, verse 3? For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Amen? 
So not only can the overtaken be guilty of thinking too highly of themselves, but now the helper can be kind of in the same trap. Amen. They think themselves to be something when in reality, we're really not. We're, we're really nothing. Verse, verse 3, it says, if a man think himself to be something. The word something means there's something I'm really good at. And usually that's what we bear each other's burdens in. Amen. We joke about it, but in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, we have a listing of gifts yeah, that the a New Testament church has. And, you know, there's some that think, you know what, I got the gift of discerning your fault. Amen. And, and literally, like, uh, newsflash, everyone has that gift. It's called sin. That's the sin nature. Like, that's really easy to be able to sit in a church and say, let me tell you what's wrong with everyone. He's got this and she's got that and they've got that whole family has that and that group over there, man, they think they're, and that's really easy, right? Finding fault is not like a spiritual wow factor. That's just simply acknowledging that you have more desire to see others than self. So inspection is, hey, look at self. If you're going to bear one another's burdens, you look at self. If you're a spouse and you have trouble, my spouse is not who they ought to be. Hey, you know, fair enough. Praise the Lord. What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what. First step is you better take a good look at yourself. Are you who you're supposed to be? Come on. Does that help? If I look that way? <laughs> are you who you're supposed to be? Say, well, I, I want to tell them what's wrong with them. They're not reading their Bible like they ought to. Okay, well, I, I'll just be honest with you. You go sit down and have that conversation. They may just look at you and say, well, you're not washing dishes like you ought to be. And then you're going to say, well, you're not cleaning your dish off like you make the kids clean their dish off. And then all of a sudden you're going to find out we're just both overtaken in the same fault and nothing's fixed. Amen. Simple truth is, Something, if a man think himself to be something, I'm good at this. And honestly, that, be, that begins to be a real critiquing issue where I'm good at something that someone else is missing. And I can sense that. And God's very clear. If a man think himself to be something when he is no thing, he deceiveth himself. We need to be careful with that. The reality is that we deceive ourselves when we think we are the answer. As a pastor, one of the greatest things that lessons that I have asked the Lord to help me learn is this lesson. I believe that's a pastor's job is to bear one another's burdens. And at the same time, realizing they're for him to fix. Amen. The faults are for him to fix. Inspection. Number two, independence. Independence. The idea of independence is, is probably pretty well captured here in these verses, but the goal of bearing one another's burdens is to carry the load while the Lord heals the other person, right? That's the whole goal is, hey, I'll carry your pack until your ankle's better. The ultimate goal is what? You get your pack back. You, you, you do your thing, right? You got to carry your own life's needs. There, there's a hospital moment, but ultimately this is just a temporary. You need to be packing this. This is your weight to carry. Verse 4 says it this way. 
But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. At some point, my life has to stand because I want to stand. It's fine to have other people help me, but the goal is that I stand of my own strength and my own walk with the Lord. And at some point, nobody can do this for me, right? You can be a spouse, you can love each other, you can have all sorts of reason to try and help each other, but the ultimate goal is, that's on them. I don't know how many times I've talked to married couples, and they're like, what do I do with this spouse, and what do I, how do I help them? First of all, you, you got to get close to the Lord. I mean, that's, that, look inspection. you got to draw yourself close to the Lord, and then you need to realize, honestly, this is on that person. You can't do this for them. What they need is between them and the Lord. And verse 4 helps us understand that. It says, he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, because ultimately it's, it's mine. It's not someone else's. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm just trying to hit some of the highlights here so we kind of capture this. How do I help someone? If I really want to help, how do I help? Verse 5, every man shall bear his own burden. That, that word shall is a definitive. I shall bear my burden. You shall bear your burden. So this bear you one another's burden, it's a temporary. It's a facilitator until the Lord helps. Independence, independence. Number three, influence, influence. The indication is that much of the bearing is done by those that are under someone else's ministry. Look at, look at this in verse six. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Now just be cautious here as I say this, but the word communicate is the idea of becoming a, a partner with, to work with, to, to join together with. We're going to share this together. It would seem that fulfilling the law of Christ is at some point going to be bearing the burden of someone who's over you. Hello? See, that's awkward because there's times where this could be a wife. My husband's struggling, and she gets to bear his burden and so fulfill the law of Christ, understanding that this is actually, this is not going to be a long-term thing, right? Independence is going to be the ultimate goal here. Bearing one another's burden is not, it's never, and I hope I don't say this so often that you bore of hearing it, but it's not about finding fault in the other person so that you rise up and become the spiritual leader. That's not the point. The point is there's times where you actually get to influence those around you, maybe even those that are over you. Did you know what? Some of the greatest blessings in my ministry life have been my people who, who truly love their pastor and say, I want to help my pastor. He's a human. He's going through a little something. I'm just going to pray for him. He's never going to know that I'm bearing a little bit of the burden. I'm going to show up 10 minutes early and just make sure those lights are on. I'm just going to make sure he doesn't have to carry, carry the workload of mowing the lawn because, or whatever it is. I'm just going to do that because he needs time in the word and prayer. I, I'm going to bear that burden for him. Amen. Some of the greatest influence that I've had from my wife has been the exact same when she just quietly and meekly 
comes alongside and shares in the work that God's given me to do. And I know it's not her responsibility, but I can see in her, you know what, she loves me. She's helping me through this tough time or this tough opportunity that we have in our life. You can influence people around you more than you think if you love them. You can find fault with anybody. Any couple can be mad at each other. Amen. My wife would have a hard time getting mad at me, I'm sure. That'd be pretty tough. I can't think of anything. There's probably something. Is there something? Yeah. All right, on to the next one. <laughs> I got that look that said, I got, you want me to start talking? I'll, talk. <laughs> I'll bear this burden. <laughs> it's, it's influence. I can influence. I can influence someone. I can help them. When I raise my sons and my daughters, um, there comes a time when you're no longer like the boss and you realize they got to bear their own burden. I've been bearing it for, what, 20 years or so or 10 years or whatever it is. You've been wearing it. But it comes a time you're like, you know what? I want them to succeed. That's important to me. Amen. It, it's, it's worth it to have that influence in another life, in another person. It's, it's worth it. Let's think of another word, investment. Investment, verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Can, can I say something? that uh, sometimes, sometimes we need a little help, right? It's hard to get help when you didn't give help. Hello. It's, a, it's, it's easy to get critique when you were the critiquer. Amen. Man, everyone's just critiquing me through us. Well, man, that's because that's what you did when everyone else was having a problem, is you just found their fault. But here it's very clear, be not deceived, God is not mocked. This is like making an investment. When you get to bear someone else's burdens, and ye which are spiritual, you want to restore such an one because you love them, and you're like, you know what, their life is valuable to me. And so you bear their burden. The ultimate conclusion of that is, one of these days you're going to have a tough day. And God's going to have someone just ready to come alongside you and say, you know what, no one needs to know I'm doing this. You'll be a Moses somewhere holding up the, the rod, and there'll be a couple young men come along, alongside you and say, you know what, we're not ashamed of your age. We're not embarrassed by your weariness. We want to help you. We want success. Amen. And at verse 7's conclusion, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's not just for the wicked. That's, that's for good people, too. Remember the Shunammite lady? She gave so much, and then one day she turned around and her boy, he was gone. She really needed something from the Lord, didn't she? And God knew just how to deliver that back to her through the same man of God. God knows when we need that. You see, when you bear one another's burden, there's inspection. Consider thyself, verse 1, lest thou also be tempted. Amen. You take a good look at it. what's my motives? What, what am I doing here? Am I drawing closer to the Lord? Amen. Marriage problems are never about two people. They're about God's relationship with two individuals. That's where the problem is, So, or the potential is. Inspection. Where am I with the Lord? Where, where am I? Independence. Am I trying to usurp their authority and be the boss and run the show, and I'm just going to be 
I'm going to be the husband and wife all at once. I'm going to be the pastor and the people at once. Or, or am I, no, I truly care. Because that's their job is to carry this. I'm just temporarily going to help them bear their burden. Independence, influence. I, I want to influence them. I want them to go places I can't go. Amen. I want them to achieve success, influence, investment. God remembers how much I weigh, how much weight I'm willing to carry on some of someone else's. God remembers this. Does that make sense? You see, at some stage, after decades of marriage and family and all that, you probably get to the point you're going to need some help. It sure would be a good thing if you had given some help. Let me give you a little secret that I'm just beginning to learn. My children are all adults now, and I'm blown away how much they encourage me. I'm blown. It just it embarrasses me how much they'll come alongside through a text or a call or something just out of the blue and just say a little phrase. I'm like, wow, I was supposed to do that for you. But you see, you reap what you sow. There's an investment there. And then years later, they're the ones coming along saying, hey, Pops, you look pretty old. <laughs> You're gray. You don't have any hair. And uh, you probably need this word of encouragement. And you know what? They're probably right. My wife got a text this morning from one of our families that says we won't be back to our church while we're up here. Yeah, welcome to the ministry. You guys know about that. You never know when you need someone just to lift up your hand and say, hey, you did this for us all those years. You encouraged us and you didn't usurp it. You didn't mock it. You didn't upbraid it. You just delivered a I love you. I want you to succeed. And you never know that blessing that investment will make amen you never know when you'll need it number five indecision becomes a real part of this it says in verse nine and let us not be weary in well-doing the word weary is a it's a it's ties in with your human spirit and it's the idea if you can picture a race Everyone starts the race to win, right? I'm going to win this thing. And they're all, they're doing the breathing techniques. They're doing the hero dance in their mind. And about halfway through the race, they start getting weary. The human spirit inside of them that was there on the starting line is just about gone back to bed. It's no longer interested in winning. It's like, I really didn't want to win anyway. It's not a big deal. It's just a little ribbon. Like they put your name in the paper. I don't even want my name in that paper. It's a liberal paper. They don't believe in the right to bear arms. I'm not, I don't even care anymore. And that's what weary is. You change your mind. Does that make sense? It's the change of will. It's the change of mind. And, and it's literally, it's easier to pick up someone else's burdens and then second guess it and maybe lay them down. And God says, be not weary in well-doing. It's very easy, it's very common to tire of carrying someone else's burdens. I've, I, I, this is life change, right? Okay, so I'm just, there's things in, our, in our, all of our ministries where we've dealt with families that have, have had struggles in the family and one has to just step up to the, the plate and say, you know what, I'm going to carry this. I've seen teenage young men carry their parents on their shoulders through several years. 
I've seen a wife carry her husband spiritually through some deep, dark valleys for years. We've seen all sorts of different things like that. Anyone in the ministry has seen this where someone inside has to pick up a heavy, heavy weight. And I'm just telling you, you can get tired. You can get weary. You can get weary. And one of the greatest dangers is to get weary in well-doing. To get weary in well-doing. It's literally to get to the point like, I don't care anymore. Amen? Families, you can't afford to not care. I'm just telling you. That's all you got. Amen? You got, you got this child, that's the one. That's, that's who you got. Which one, which one don't you care about? Which one would you say, well, I don't, I don't care about that one anymore. I'm just tired of it. Every morning, every night, they're wearing me out. You can't be weary in well-doing. You can't have that indecision that says, I don't know that it's worth it. Of course it's worth it. That is your future right there. Amen. Yeah, but they're overtaken in a fault, and you've never been overtaken in a fault. You've never been overtaken with a fault, something that split you off of truth. Of course we have. Indecision is that point where you begin to look at, is it worth it? Do I really care anymore? One of the most dangerous things I've ever seen in homes is when one party or the other been carrying that load. They shouldn't have had to, but they were, because they love the other person, and they get to the point, I don't know that I can do this anymore. And they begin to get overtaken, or as it says in verse 1, lest thou also be tempted. It's a very similar idea that indecision brings in. When you start this journey of fulfilling the law of Christ, you have to realize Christ, when He took it, He went all the way to the cross. When God asks a man to stand in the gap, that may be the last stand you ever take. Say, but what if I die here? Your son might live. What if I give up this job opportunity? Well, your family may have family night again. Yeah, but they should be more spiritual than that. You should fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Weary and well-doing is one of those situations that can affect anyone because they're the ones that care enough to pick up the weight. They're carrying it. And now all of a sudden it becomes an opportunity for them to say, you know what, I know this, pardon my way of saying this, but I know this stinks. I know it's not what it ought to be, but I'm not giving up. I got a teenager that I love. I got a spouse that I'll die for. I got a church that means more to me. I'm not giving up. And I believe we need Christians that are like that a lot. Because we are going to be attacked. We don't just want to kick everyone out of our home when they make a fault. We actually want to, you know what, I want you to succeed. As a dad speaking, it's more important for me that my children succeed than I succeed. How many of you dads feel that way? I think that's right across the board. I mean, that's, that's what's in our heart. Well, don't you want to succeed? Not really. I want my kids to. I want my boys to. I want my girls to. I want my grandchildren to. You know, I'd, I want them to go to heaven. How about you? Amen? These are things that are important. When one starts fulfilling the law of Christ, 
it can actually overpower the soul to where verse 1 says, lest thou also be tempted. Hebrews chapter 6, let me, can I share this with you? Thank you, I'm going to. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He's not unrighteous. He will never forget. Praise the Lord. They say grandkids are your reward for not having killed your kids. Right? God says it this way. Uh, children's children are the glory or the crown of old men. And two different ways of looking at that. The bottom line is there is so much reward at the end. God's not unrighteous. And we'll see that perhaps later this week, how God will use that, that reaping on the other side of your sowing on this side to be some of the greatest blessings you could ever imagine on the planet. I've seen couples live for themselves while their children are left to rot. And the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Well, that won't happen in our family. Yes, it will. God told you it would. And then when you're old and you need the greatest amount of return on that, investment you learn you don't have it all because of indecision put your hand to that task and go for it ladies and gentlemen fulfill the law of christ number five interest interest or six what is this six seven five three i can't i never went to math class so galatians 6 and verse 9 says and let us be weary and well-doing for in due season, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Due season means there's a time when it's due, when it's the right time. I don't know when that is. It may be this long. It may be this long. Amen. It may be you're just investing a little bit. It may be you invest till your last breath on earth. I don't know. But in due season, there's a maturity date on this investment where you get some interest back. There's a maturity date when this thing concludes. It says, in due season we shall reap. That's the harvest. And the harvest is a time of bounty. If you think of reaping, it's always getting more than you put in. You put in one seed, you get out from that one kernel, you get out maybe a thousand kernels of the same plant, right? You, there's a harvest that comes. You have no idea what one burden that you bear will cause and, and open the windows of heaven for your soul. You have no idea. You have no clue how much interest could be there. Oh, what I'm saying is it's worth it. It's worth it. God gave you a home. God gave you a spouse. God gave you a uh, a child perhaps some of you will have blessings on this some of you have struggled through different things with with everything i'm saying i'm not trying to hurt anyone by just touching sore spots but i'm saying you got something very special go for it go for it you say well there's some there's some hardship in our marriage we've had some faults yeah welcome to life we don't throw away broken people we fulfill the law of Christ. He didn't come to destroy every sinner. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Praise the Lord. Say, so you don't know what my child's done. 
I don't know about them, but I know what God's child, this child of God's done. And God's, God's been merciful beyond measure to say, I'll carry that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 9, we shall weep, we shall reap if we faint not. In due season we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap if we faint not. It truly gets down to that fainting and that weary and that, that temptation of, uh, of being considered or failing to consider yourself. It really comes down to that conclusion of, I'm, I need to be all in or, or this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work at all. Look at verse 10. As we therefore, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And obviously this, this is going to apply broader than a home, no doubt. But just consider this. There will be opportunity. There will be time and place. There will be something come up where you have that opportunity to do good, to literally bear one another's burden, especially unto those of the household of faith. Listen, burdens are a part of life. Everyone's going to carry theirs. So how can I help this individual? Well, you can't fix them. That's God's. Amen. They, have, they get to make their own choice. They may choose to reject God. You can't choose that for them. But i tell you what you can do. You can love that soul enough to say, I want to carry your burden. I want to make... I want to make your time between you and God, absolutely seamless. I want to take away all the friction, all the sandpaper between you and your heavenly Father. I want to take that all out. I'm going to swallow it. I'm going to bear it. I'm going to wear it myself because I love you. This is my opinion only, but I believe the reason most family situations develop into seemingly permanent failures is simply because we love ourselves more than each other. Amen. Somehow along the line we get to the point where I love me and you don't make me happy. See, parents treat children who make a mistake like they're, like they're some sort of scum. I'm like, hang on. That's, that tells you something about you. That's your child. They made a mistake. Yeah, absolutely they did. That's opportunity right there. You got opportunity to do good, not pounce on. Amen. God just gave you opportunity to say, I want to fulfill the law of Christ in this individual. So let me wrap this all together. I think it comes down to this whole thing of family comes down to the words of love fulfilling the law of christ just do i love do i love my family do i love my spouse do i love my my children and at some point god will test that fault can overtake and it does amen we've had it you've had it fault can overtake good people can be overtaken but they're worthy of restoring verse one says if man be overtaken the fault ye which are spiritual restore you which are spiritual restore that means to put back up right they're, they're worth putting back up right. How can I do that? Just bear their burdens. Does that make sense? This is a bit of a, there, there's no like conclusion to this whole thing because all it does, all this message does is just open up the opportunity to say, okay, that, that, that's a, 
that's one of those deals that's going to affect all of us at some stage. It's not really a conclusionary moment of a message. It's just like an introductory to, are you in? And I'd ask you this morning if I could maybe use that terminology. Maybe this morning or this afternoon would be a good time to just decide, you know what, I'm in. I'm in for my wife. I'm in for my children. I'm, I'm on the, put me in the gap. If I, if I die, I die. But I'm going to be in 100%. I believe we need families like that, don't you? I believe we need churches like that, don't you? I believe we have a God like that, don't you? He fulfilled his own law, and we ought to as well. Hopefully that can give some grit to what the Lord has in your tomorrows, because there probably be some faults in our, all of our lives that we get to practice this on. Amen? Preacher.